Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. An NPR Planet uh, Money story recently talked about Lao Dan. Lives in a province in China. One day he goes to buy a ticket on the high-speed train between the town that he lives in and Beijing. He puts down his name and he puts down his payment and a screen pops up saying he could not complete the purchase. The reason is is that he had been placed on the untrustworthy list. The untrustworthy list are those people who the Chinese government has deemed as untrustworthy. Maybe they owe money for something. Maybe they have shown to be uh, what is deemed as poor character for whatever it is. He was prohibited from buying a train ticket from his city to Beijing. Not because he didn't have money, but because he was deemed as untrustworthy. And I think if Christians are honest about this, is, is that we oftentimes like to think that God's kingdom works in this very way, that there are trustworthy and there are untrustworthy, and that part of the church is to make sure that the untrustworthy don't get in. And yet Jesus seems to be offering and operating in an entirely different way. Jesus begins his public teaching by coming up onto the top of a mountain and he begins to say and praise blessings upon the people. Last week we heard it in the gospel lesson, the beginning of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Jesus is making a declarative statement about who they are. You are blessed. Jesus does not say, for $49.99, you can take my course on how to be blessed. Justin, however, will be glad for $49.99 to teach you about that. What's the saying, those who can't do? Right, so Jesus is not making an exchange economy. If you do X, Y, Z, therefore you become blessed. Rather, Jesus makes it a declarative. You are blessed. Martin Luther wants us to be sure that we understand that the goal is not to simply figure out how to become mourning or one who is meek or they are not commandments or laws to follow, but a way of holiness that opens up the kingdom of God to us. My friend, Army Chaplain Zach Jay, said in a recent reflection on these Beatitudes that legalism and holiness are not the same thing, and Christians oftentimes confuse legalism for holiness. Legalism imposes what is good in our eyes and imposes it on other people. Holiness is an individual thing in which we pursue the glory of God. Legalism stems from moralism. Holiness is a response to God's gratitude and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so Jesus sets out this vision of holiness for what the kingdom of God looks like. Jesus says it looks like a deep prayer life with God. 
that the kingdom of God looks like people who don't put their trust in their stuff, but put their trust in God. People who worry less about other people and worry about the speck that is in our eyes. People who are committed to to, uh, doing unto others as you would want them to do to you, to not allow anger to be our state of being. And yet, do you think that those things describe any person on a regular basis? When Jesus is talking about blessing, he isn't looking at individual people and say, Chrissy, you're blessed. Kristen, you're blessed. Jesus looks on the whole community gathered and says, this is a community is blessed. Why? Because I say so. He says, this is a community that is full of light and that are salt. Why? Because I say so. American Christianity has too often deferred to faith being solely an individual process by which I figure out my holiness and my righteousness rather than seeing that God proclaims in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are a community who is blessed, who is light, and who is salt. That there is a collective nature of it for which I am thankful for. Because the reality is, is that I can't do any of these things on a regular basis, but on occasion I can do some of them, and you can do some of them, and you can do some of them. You can imagine that as Jesus is is pronouncing this blessing, describing people as light and salt, that the Pharisees and the scribes who are standing by are angered by this notion, who is he to declare somebody blessed? And Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I worry. I worry. So much of our religious anxiety is, is what if Jesus' words are true? What if my righteousness is not high enough that I cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus offers us a community which is to remember the ways in which God shows grace in order to remind ourselves that God is always grace-filled. NPR Storyboard recently shared the story of Mary Johnson in O'Shea, Israel. Mary is a mother whose son was killed by Israel. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison, and during his sentencing, she said, I forgive you. And she says it's because she thought that's what Christians were supposed to do. But she says, in reality, I did not forgive him. I was full of resentment and anger, and who, as a parent whose child was killed, would not understand the anger that she felt? So in a few years, she asked the Department of Correction, can I go in and visit with him? She reflects on this visit, and she says, never having been to prison before, I was scared when we got in there, and I wanted to turn back. But when O'Shea came into the room, I shook hands with him, and I said, I don't know you, you don't know me, 
you didn't know my son and he didn't know you. And now that we have that as our foundation, let's talk. She says for two hours, they talked with one another. In the midst of that conversation, O'Shea admitted what he had done to her son. She says, I could see that he was truly sorry. And at the end of that meeting, for the very first time, I was able to say that I forgave him. He didn't believe, how could you do this? And he asked if he could hug me. When he left the room, I bent over saying, I just hugged the man who murdered my son. And as I got up, I felt something rising from the soles of my feet and leaving me. And from that day, she says, I have not felt hatred or animosity. When O'Shea was released from prison, she threw a party to welcome him home. She wears a locket to this day, and on one side of the locket is a picture of her son, and on the other is a picture of her spiritual son. She's an example of what Jesus is calling us to be salt and light. But maybe you hear that story and you say, I don't know if I could do the same thing, but part of salt and light is that we have those images and those stories within our collective, collective wisdom. That when we come to points in which we are unwilling to forgive, we can remember her Christian witness and forgiving. For we alone are not blessed. We alone are not light. We alone are not salt. We only share a little bit of what Jesus gives to us in our baptism. What the Holy Spirit dispenses upon us is our ability, some days good and some days not so good, to be blessed, to be light, and to be salt. After these um, wonderful images of blessing, light, and salt, Jesus goes and turns the whole thing upside down by, by saying, unless our righteousness is so high, we will never enter the kingdom of God. And Matthew, as an important reminder, follows up the story of the Beatitudes with a leper. Somebody who had been excluded from the community, and Jesus heals him and restores him back. And the same is true for us. Jesus heals and restores us as well. Jesus' justice is not about how we can be punished, but Jesus' justice is how we can be delivered. And that is light and salt. Amen. Amen.